Hey everyone, this is Isaiah. Just wanted to let everyone know that this episode of the Parking Podcast, along with a few future episodes, they were all recorded and produced before the coronavirus outbreak in the U.S. Uh, so that explains why they're not mentioned in some of the, the latest episodes of the Parking Podcast. We do plan to keep putting out episodes of the podcast on our same schedule to hopefully uh, give you something to listen to while you're working from home or working or practicing social distancing. But we do hope that everyone out there stays safe, stays healthy, and we hope you enjoy this episode of the Parking Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association of professionals in parking, transportation, and mobility. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Hello and welcome to The Parking Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the $100 billion parking industry and the people that make it go. I'm your host, Isaiah Mao, and this is The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. With us today is Todd Tucker, Senior Vice President and General Counsel with Arrive. How are you doing today, Todd? Doing great. Doing great, Isaiah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard a lot about you. I've seen from your... Uh, you're LinkedIn. You're, you're no newbie to, to parking. You've been in this industry for a while. You came through one of many who came through central parking. So I, I saw a little bit about your, your background, your military background, which we'll talk about in a minute. But how in the world did you get into parking? Oh, that's a great question. I think like a lot of people um, found my way to this industry, uh, not necessarily by design, but it's been nothing but great to me. And I, I, if you probably have seen occasionally get opinion pieces from me in different areas. I'm, I'm a big, uh, big believer in this industry and, and what it can offer people and rich lives and, you know, great careers. But I was uh, living in Florida and was uh, post-college, post-military for a few years, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and was doing the typical pre-parking path that a lot of us find our way, you know, whether it's retail or restaurant or car rental businesses or things that seem to end up leading toward parking business recruitment. And when, when, you know, back when people actually responded to job ads in the newspaper, when that actually was a thing, if you can recall, uh, I uh, responded to a job ad uh, down in, down in Florida and, uh, and got a job there with Central Parking based in Miami, running a couple parking garages. And that was like in the late nineties. Some of your colleagues at at Reef uh, were friends of mine way back in the day then, and were, were people that I started my career with and that were, were there with me from the start. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a great ride, and I've and then I've had the opportunity over the last twenty two years or so to to bounce around and do a lot of different things in the industry and cover a lot of different regions, and it's been exciting and fun, and I've loved every minute of it, and it's been very good to me. I don't know if you know Gary Means, but he had the same exact story where he was looking through the newspaper, circling jobs called up. One was for Central Parking, and that's how he got into parking through a newspaper ad. So you're the second on the podcast to tell me that story. Ah, I know Gary real well. He's an outstanding individual and uh, very funny that he, he and I have not exchanged those stories yet. We'll have to make, I'll have to make a point to do that next time I see him. Yeah, no, for sure. Great guy. So also I've noticed too, you've kind of touched different areas of the industry and you of course have your, your JD, you have your master's operations. So did all that, did you work on all that education while you were running parking operations? I did actually. I uh, I got into parking uh, with just a bachelor's degree, but as I kind of moved around and continued to try to see value in you know lifelong learning, I'm kind of believer and a believer in that. I don't think I'll ever stop trying to learn new things till the day I die. But I uh, you know you know I did my um, central parking moved me up to the Midwest, and I did my master's up there, and then 
it's interesting what inspires you to to try new things. I remember being uh, working for Central Parking, doing union negotiations at the Detroit Metro Airport when it was first built. And I'd never done anything at that level uh, at that point that was new in my career. And I was sitting across the table from union lawyers and I was sitting on the same side of the table with central parking lawyers. And they're all using words I didn't understand and doing and saying things that I couldn't necessarily follow at that point in my career. (laughs) And I said, I don't like this feeling. I'm going to go to law school. I want to know what they know. And so I went to law school while I was still working in parking, went in evenings for three, three and a half years, Monday through Friday, or I should say Monday through Thursday, like 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., four, so four days a week for, for most of that time. And look, uh, you know, that's, that's hard. That's hard, if not impossible to do if you have kids or families and things. And I, I, I don't have, uh, I don't have kids and I've, uh, I've always had a, a working wife that would always allow me to do some things like that would necessarily not necessarily be super easy for other people to do. But yeah, and um, and still to this day, still expanding. I'm actually in the final stages of my dissertation for my PhD actually right now. And I, as we speak, this is in addition to the, to being a lawyer. It, it is. It is. It is. It is through Temple University in Philadelphia. I'm working on it for the last four years. And if my dissertation is accepted, uh, I'll defend it in a few weeks and uh, would be able to add doctor hopefully to my credentials. But I only say that not uh, in any way trying to pat myself on the back that what I'm most excited about is my dissertation, which I've been working on for two years, is a parking study that is going to be really cool and neat and interesting to share with the parking world when the time comes. You know, and it's, a, it's got all the academic rigor and uh, everything that you expect from, from an academic level, you know, university level study. There's not a lot of academic university level things out there on parking, unless you're talking about uh, um, our friend, uh, Donald um, Shoup. Yeah, Donald Shoup, Mr. Shoup. Sorry, his, his name slipped out of my head. Trying to follow in his footsteps and create some academic knowledge for us. Well, in fact, I was going to say just you're probably the only person in, in the history of academia to, to have their dissertation on parking other than Donald Shoup. So that's, right, that's right. Really cool. And again, I know you're, you're a humble guy, but, but we've got to go through this list. CPP through the National Parking Association, CAP, bachelor's, and two master's, the JD and soon to be a PhD. Is that, is that the list? I, th- I think the only thing you got wrong in there was the two masters. I just have the one masters, the MBA and, oh, uh, slacking. And then, You're slacking. yeah, 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 that's okay. <laughs> I'll try to pick it up. Yeah. But no, I just, again, I, I again, I appreciate the, the nod, the nod and it's, it's nice to be acknowledged. But like I said, had I, had I had other paths in my life, uh, with family and, and things, I, I may not have had been blessed enough to do some of those things, but I chose to use my time trying to better myself. And it always, I'm just generally a curious person and like to learn. And, you know, you said humble in there. I very much try to stay humble. I always believe that there's many, many smarter people out there than, than I can ever be. And I just uh, want to continue to try to improve myself so that I can be more beneficial to others around me and my organization and just to my network in general. No, that's great. And, and I think it's a great topic. So I'm keep going, but I love education learning. And I think I have a very similar personality to you, so I don't like looking like an idiot or not knowing something. It's, I remember like every year I try to focus on learning something new, a new hobby, yep. maybe 10 things. It's the randomest things. Like this year is making balloon animals, CrossFit. <laughs> I love it. I <laughs> love it. Yeah. And writing, writing a kid's book. It could be just a random list and go all in, learn it. It's just, and I remember the first time I, I showed up to like a CrossFit class. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it, Very much. I looked yep. like an idiot. I didn't know what was going on and I hated that. And that made me kind of a mad and sane person to learn it. 
it could be someone recommending a book or movie I haven't watched or book I haven't read. I just don't like not knowing. So then I will go and read that book. You heard all these words and didn't like that feeling. It's exactly how I am. That drives me to learn and learn new things. So that's a great story. I, uh, I, I applaud you on that. I think that is a, I think that if more people felt that way uh, and when we're more encouraged and not scared, I, I, get, I get the natural, it's scared to do things that you don't know. But if you, if you approach it positively and say, and not to sound too cliche here uh, because it's an overused military guy term now, which is, you know, embrace, yeah, embrace the uncomfortable or uh, embrace the suck or get, get comfortable being uncomfortable. You hear that type of stuff on, see on t-shirts now, but oh, yeah. that's, but that's really the way it is. I mean, that, and that's how you expand and grow as a person. And I, and I know that's, again, it's probably cliche at this point. It's such a well-known concept, but many people avoid learning new things because it's too uncomfortable. And you just, you know, I don't know, I don't know anything about basket weaving. So if I want to start learning basket weaving, it's going to be uncomfortable for the first six months. Exactly. All right. We could talk about this all day. Let's talk business. Let's talk park whiz. So sure. now arrives us about, I was familiar with the park whiz product. We've used that in a lot of our operations. We love it. Great sure. service, great solution. Tell us about your, how you got involved with park whiz and how that led to arrive. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm glad you're, uh, you've had good experiences with uh, yeah, you'll hear it called Arrive, you'll hear it called Parkwiz, you'll hear it called Best Parking. It's Parkwiz and Best Parking are probably the two names that have been around the longest. But yeah, we rebranded about a year and a half, two years ago under the name Arrive. And yeah, uh, you know, we started 12, 15 years ago as a parking a reservation business, uh, very traditional to what you've seen others doing in the same space. We, were, we like to think we were the first one there. Maybe we were, maybe we weren't, but we certainly were one of the very first. And it, what's interesting is, you know, as we grew over the years and, and found a home with, with parking operators and asset owners, the, the world and, uh, began to change and things like data and information became unbelievably important. And we found that at that key time, we just, due to the nature of our reservation business, had acquired so much data and so much information on every parking garage and parking lot and parking space in many cases in the United States that suddenly people wanted that. And, and when I say people, I mean uh, auto manufacturers who want to build that into their telematic systems in their cars because a car that's driving itself or that is uh, a connected vehicle has to be able to know in digital ways what spaces are available out there because if they're going to go park in it, it has to be there and they have to know. And so, you know, we never started off thinking we were going to be in this position. We thought we were just going to be doing kind of a stub hub distressed parking model, like the same way StubHub does tickets or Hotels.com does hotel rooms. But while we found ourselves as in a very uh, envious position of partnering with many automakers, I think right now as we speak, we're in 39% of the auto US auto market, meaning that oh, wow. even though you don't pull, like if you buy a Porsche and we're building uh, Porsche, for example, we're building their parking experiences into their dash. And so you'll get in your Porsche and Porsche will have a parking experience and a refueling experience and a mapping experience and all these different experiences that you can do in car. And it'll all look and feel and smell and taste like Porsche. But at least for the parking piece, it'll be us behind the scenes kind of white labeling our technology for them. We've really kind of turned a corner in finding a special niche in that area. We do the same thing for other, other verticals like Ticketmaster. We took an investment from Amazon a couple of years ago which was kind of a, around the same time we rebranded to Arrive, which 
the intent there is obviously Amazon, Google, Apple, these companies, which kind of own the universe, are also thinking very much that they want parking to be yet one other thing that they can offer to their consumers in an entire suite of services or, or a type of uh, products and services that, that offerings that they can provide. So it's become, it's become very, very fun and interesting. You know, I thought after 18 years in, in parking, like a lot of parking, old, like a quote, quote, unquote, I'm doing air quotes, like a lot of <laughs> old, old parking guys, you know, you think you know it all, you think you've seen it all. And then I got over here with a bunch of, you know, at the, at the, at the very old age of 40, I guess, 44, when I came on board, I was, I found myself the oldest guy in the room surrounded by these really brilliant late 20, early 30 programmers, developers, software engineers. And I realized that yet again, here I was, the guy in the room that didn't understand the words that were being used and didn't understand how all this worked, but I was the guy that understood how parking worked. And so I shared that information with the organization who was hungry to understand how parking worked in the parking world. How, explain to us, you know, like we've got these great ideas and we want to do all these things, but we've never parked a car. We've never worked in a parking garage. We've never done anything like that. So I, you know, I find it interesting that Park was, as it began, had a, had a business that was filled with people that had never worked in parking. I'm sure Hotels.com probably has tons of people that actually worked in the hospitality industry before they jumped over and started working for Hotels.com, but didn't necessarily feel the same way for, for us until, until recently. And now we've got a whole slew of people that came from the parking side because we feel like it makes us more competent. But yeah, so I, I don't know, that's, that's kind of me, maybe a long rambling answer, but we, we still do the reservation thing, but we're also very much doing cool stuff with big technology partners. And, and the really, uh, I'll, I'll stop talking with this last statement, we really see ourselves now as the connective layer between a lot of different folks like Reef and other parking providers who have thousands uh, and thousands of parking spaces out there that they want to put people in. And the rest of the world that's trying to find those parking spaces through whatever means they may be using. And it may be an app. It may be their car. It may be a Google app. It may be an Amazon app. It could be Ticketmaster. It could be a lot of different things. And instead of trying to be all things to all people, we're just trying to, we're trying to operate right in the middle there and make sure that pe people can access us from any of those points. That's a, a great story. I love the history there. I love that they went to a parking expert such as yourself to hear that side, to hear from the operator side. I do want to clarify, though, when you, when you talk about me getting into a Porsche, I don't think I'll ever be in a Porsche. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Me and you both. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, see, that's so, um, I love that I had you on the podcast because, you know, at first you think it's, okay, this is how they make their money through a transaction fee. That's their core business. But there's this whole other world where you're working with car manufacturers and getting ready for autonomous vehicles because uh, when these cars are going in and out of garages, there's going to have to be a way to auto pay and that's right and all that. And you guys are, I think that's one of your slogans. Maybe powering the what was it the last mile of connected that's it. and autonomous uh, mobility. You, so you've d you've done yeah. you've done your homework, sir. You've <laughs> yeah. done your homework. And and you know that last mile of mobility thing is, I think I wrote a piece for um, I honestly can't remember which publication it was now, but I mentioned uh, that the title of the article was quote unquote catchy terms that that got kind of that kind of pick up momentum in parking and that last mile mobility, you know, dynamic pricing, frictionless, like all these different terms that pick up speed that often people just kind of throw around when they really don't have a path for it. And uh, last mile mobility is, is one that I think, again, we all think we're the prettiest girl to dance, but I think we were one of the first to start using it. And we really, that really is our guiding light, our vision 
our mission goal to kind of connect that last piece because that really is we were inspired by Amazon and we were inspired by the automakers because they they saw what we saw that this parking world that we operate in is so fragmented. I mean, every parking lot is different than the one across the street from it. it. Everyone's got different parking equipment and a different operator and a different rate structure. And for, for somebody like Ford or Honda or somebody of that caliber to go out and try to connect their car to every one of those different types of, of lots is, is even for people with them with very deep pockets is a very, very challenging situation. And we had done a lot of that work over the past 10 years in the name of our reservation model. And so it just kind of clicked. And that last vial of mobility really does become the thing, right? You know, you can get a car from somebody's driveway and they can do a lot of stuff searching online. But when they get to the garage, that last, those last couple feet of actually getting to the gate, through the gate and into a space, that's where it gets really tricky. Because mm-hmm. uh, maybe they got Skidata, maybe they have Tiba equipment, maybe they don't have any equipment at all. Maybe it's attended, maybe it's unattended. There's so many variables that have to be accounted for and it's very hard to standardize something that was never intended to be standardized. You talk about being the first to use that last mile connected in an autonomous mobility. Uh, I, I think you guys were the first in the parking industry to really move forward with voice activation. Can you talk a little bit about work where you can ask Siri to uh, find parking in your car or on your phone and it's going to do that for you? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we're pretty proud of that. We, you know, the the initial discussions, and I, and I really have to give, you know, our leadership, the folks I report to, our, our, uh, our COO, Dan Rorty, and our CEO, uh, Jonas Stern, they really had a good vision for that. And, and they came from e-commerce in other spaces. And so they, they saw that there was this trend occurring with voice, and uh, that led to conversations with Amazon, which led to the eventual investment by Amazon into us. But the, it all started with the idea that the use of voice is becoming obviously a huge part of our of our of our world and and certainly in vehicle obviously if you can talk to your car and ask it to do things and interact with it that way versus having to pull over or you know worse try to touch your screen and and do a bunch of selections while you're driving there's just some natural things that kind of evolve there as you should you know do this not that and so, yeah, we're pretty proud of the fact that we are considered an Amazon, Amazon tier one skill, which means that people don't necessarily have to download anything special. Uh, Arrive is in the core DNA of Amazon and, you know, all of their products. And so the, the idea that you can activate an Amazon account, and start using it to search for parking, but it's a pretty cool experience. Uh, you can go to our website and, and get a couple of demos there, but it's as simple as saying, you know, uh, Alexa, uh, find me parking. And, and performing essentially the same type of parking search you would do if you were sitting at a computer screen, the, the voice is just doing it for you. And it's, it's a fun little experience. Uh, you know, the choices are a little less robust, perhaps, in some of the V1, V2, V3 series that we're in now, but we're constantly working with Amazon teams of, uh, of, uh, of smart people sitting in rooms, uh, ironing out the kinks, and it's only going to get better and better and better. But the voice is a very exciting thing. And if you believe the statistics and you believe the data, it really is growing tremendously fast. And I think, you know, we've seen some of our, our competitors and other, other folks in other spaces starting to pick up on it too, which is always a sign that, you know, it's really picking up steam. But that's kind of yeah. how we got there. Yeah. I've heard that expression a lot. We need, a, we need an Amazon in the parking industry, someone that 
help with that fragmentation. And here you guys, I did not know that had that investment, that history with, with Amazon. So that's really cool. And that's one of your visions is to help with that fragmentation. Exactly, my friend. That's a great company. And you <clears throat> talked about seeing stuff on the website, but how, what is the best way for the listeners to learn more or get a hold of Arrive? Yeah, there's, there's basically three web portals that you can get to. You can go to arrive.com and there's some cool videos and some of our newest, more modern case studies, uh, web demos, video demos, things like that there. And then, of course, the best parking and the ParkWiz uh, websites and apps are still very much in effect and you know, to a huge, robust brand. So you can go to parkwiz.com, you can go to bestparking.com, or you can go to arrive.com and you can learn a whole lot more. And if there's something there that we don't, we haven't provided, you know, we'd love to, we'd love to hear from you, uh, any of your viewers or your listeners. Um, and there's quick and easy ways to email and ask questions. And those come to me actually a lot. Uh, they come to several executives, but they come to me daily and I'm usually, uh, anxious to answer questions and respond to folks. And, you know, it's that I, another piece I wrote for another parking article was I think it's exciting times to be not necessarily just our farm, but anywhere in parking, because this ability to collaborate with so many different technology companies and, and parking management firms, asset owners is just a really exciting time. And so, you know, I get excited whenever, whenever somebody reaches out with a new idea or, you know, we're very open to ideas and, and open to partnerships and open to collaborations and let's try new things. I mean, we, we almost always say yes and very rarely say no. And so we look forward to anybody that wants to reach out and have a conversation. Yeah. And just coming from a user and a partner of theirs, they're great. They'll do you right. So definitely check out the website, but do a lot of great things, Todd. One of my favorite initiatives that you've been involved with is veterans in parking. So tell us what veterans parking is and maybe a little bit about the, the origin or the background of veterans in parking. Yeah, so if you go back a couple of years, and I have to give some inspirational credit to some dear friends of mine, uh, Ruth Beeman from Women in Parking and Lara Longsworth and some other folks over there that uh, Marcy Sparrow, they're, they're just, I, could, I, could, I could name names for 15 minutes. They, they know I appreciate all of them. You know, we saw what they were doing in creating just a really top-notch organization that is representative of what is uh, often an underrepresented class of individuals in the parking, mobility, and transportation space. And, and I watched, you know, Ruth and her, her, and her team build their build their, uh, their charitable organization up from you know, this fledgling little organization to this, this major component of the National Parking Association now. So great inspiration that came from, from, from women in parking and, and that team. And then, you know, I believe it was a trade show a couple of years ago. That, you know, there, there tends to be a, a, just a, a large body of veterans you know, within the parking industry because um, I think that a lot of jobs are very uh, analogous uh, and transfer well. And, uh, you know, probably within about every industry, there's probably a good population, but y'all, we, we tend to find each other no matter what industry we're in. And so myself, uh, Jeremy Duplachine from, uh, next gen parking down in Texas, Doug Cram from Cramsey marketing, who does a lot of work in the parking space and a few others. We, we kind of started talking at a trade show a few years ago and, and said to ourselves, you know, we really like what women in parking is doing. We feel like there is an opportunity to do, do something to give back and look, not to be too corny, but you start getting a little older in your years, you start to kind of look at yourself and go, what have I given back to the world? What have I given back to society that, that has been so good to me? And, 
you know, if you, and then you look at, well, what do I have a passion for? And I have a passion for veterans causes. I have a passion for veterans in general and uh, the ability to, to, to kind of connect that passion with the world of parking, which we all have good networks in and to, to create an organization that originally was aimed at helping veterans who were exiting the military find jobs in parking or transportation or mobility. And then that kind of expanded to, well, we shouldn't just, we shouldn't just look at people that are separating. We should look at all veterans. And then we kind of expanded to, well, we shouldn't just look at just veterans. I mean, their spouses and, and people are also people that are making sacrifices in the name of, of veteran service. So it just kind of kept growing from there. And then I think we've, we actually finally reached the point, like any type, type of veteran effort, supporting veterans in any way we can is kind of the, the bigger mission now. And so we, we started Veterans in Parking a couple of years ago. You know, we thought it would be this kind of side gig uh, that would take a while to grow. And so we incorporated and we built the website and we started to do things like going to job fairs and trying to uh, drum up interest from people that were uh, looking for jobs uh, coming out of the military and you know, find, helping them find, find places in the parking space. And give you a shout out, Reef and uh, the Reef family of companies was one of the first corporate sponsors that was willing to put money on the table and help sponsor. And I believe they were our first parking operator that actually joined in and said, you know, we like this mission. We want to participate. That's great. From, from that point on, it just grew exponentially fast with interest. And, you know, people are just generally very interested in helping veterans and being a part of that, whether they're veterans or not. And so we found this incredible growth, this incredible level of interest, and our membership ranks quickly grew. Tons of companies were lining up trying to write us checks. I, I never find I'd, thought I'd find myself in the envious position of asking people to please hold their checks until we got things a little bit more organized because we oh, want to wow. be able to, you want to give value. I mean, I, the, the worst thing I would want somebody to do is write me a check and then look at the charity aside and the wanting to help veterans aside. I understand that people have, people have P&Ls to manage. So we want to make sure we're providing value, which, you know, hopefully is five or 10 hires a year that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise gotten had you not been affiliated with us. And so that's where we're at right now. And, you know, the, the, the charity continues to grow. We, we still are learning some things and ironing out some kinks, but grew much faster than we had expected it to. And, you know, we've got some really great guys who are on the board who are very committed and very passionate about veterans causes as well. And, you know, we look forward to continuing to push forward and provide value and connect good, hardworking individuals to jobs in parking that are uh, analogous maybe to what, what they did in the military. It just seems like a good marriage. And we all know in the parking industry and in the transportation industry, we're always hungry for talent. Yeah. And I know this is still in the infancy stages. Any success story, even if it's just one person that we've been able to, to provide and get hired and get in the We have. We have had, we've had several, several. And um, I, I, would, I would be lying if I said that our volume of connects is where we wished it would be, but we definitely made some good connections. I, the first story that pops in my head is, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the company Barnacle, the, uh, the, for the parking enforcement and mobilization team. Uh, they actually, well, we placed a person with them who I believe he was in the Air Force and was in the job market. And uh, you know, due to the connections between veterans and parking and Barnacle's involvement with the charity, we were able to connect them. And that's just one example of a, you know, it, it's not a, and it wasn't a lower level, like, oh, it's a valet job or something like that. No, it's just a nice, you know, high level salaried executive position that would be coveted by anyone. And we were able to help connect those, connect those dots. So we were, we're proud of those. Yeah. 
And that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm glad we were one of the first sponsors, the military. I grew up around military my, my whole life, went to Dodge schools, lived in Okinawa, Japan and Panama, Central America. It's, I don't know, there's something special about veterans and, you know, you're going to get a, a great person, a great employee. And we were glad to, to sign up and, and help this cause. So that's really cool what you guys are doing. And I'm assuming you, you did say you were in the military. So what, what branch and tell us maybe a little bit about your time in the military. Yeah, it's, I, uh, I'm, I'm a, and if I didn't say this earlier, I'm a, I'm a little country boy from West Virginia. My, my wife and I both are, are from West Virginia, Virginia, even though we didn't meet there. She grew up on the east side of the state and I grew up on the west side of the state. And we met many years later in New York. It's a story for another day, but we've been together for a long time and we both came from West Virginia. And like a lot of 17 year olds, I think my parents probably sat me down at some point right after high school and said, look, you got to get a job or you got to go to college or you got to join the military. There, are, there is no fourth option. <laughs> you're driving us crazy and you're not being highly productive. And, you know, like a lot of 17 year olds, I was probably making some poor decisions and not using my time too wisely. And look, I, you know, school sounded boring to me at the time. I know that's comical now, given the way we started this conversation. <laughs> yeah, that is. School sounded really boring to me. And, you know, I, I pretty much knew it all anyway, right? I mean, at 17, you know everything. A job sounded like work, uh, but I knew that military uniforms, girls like those, or at least I'd heard that. And, I was going to get to travel the world and do some cool things. And so I actually joined the reserves, but was called to active duty in support of the Gulf War very quickly after it all, after joining and going through initial training. So I served with the Marine Corps during the Gulf War. I served with a combat engineering battalion, which means we uh, blow up minefields and, and, and uh, you know build tent cities and, uh, and, and put up the barbed wire. And they used to call us the, the, the smart grunts, meaning uh, that you got your 0311 true infantry that is charging forward, you know, shooting and doing whatever they do. And then when they ran into things like minefields or obstacles, barbed wire, things they couldn't get across, then we're right behind them. We come up and we blow paths through these things so the tanks and infantry can keep going. So, so a little bit of logistics and, and, and mobility. And, and Very much so in a very perhaps negative fashion. But uh, it was, um, look, for me, the initial training and then the year and a half or two years I did active duty in support of the war for me was probably one of the best things I could have ever gone through. At the time, I, I remember very vividly kind of what was important to me uh, in 1990. You know, I was, I was more interested in, in kind of running around and perhaps being uh, just having fun and partying and being a little bit of a misfit. And then I remember, I, I can almost remember the moment. I remember being on a ship headed to the Persian Gulf. You know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, six months ago, my most important thing was how can I get some money for a six pack? What pretty lady could I possibly meet this weekend? And then the next six months later, I was sitting in the, in the, on the deck of the ship looking at a picture of my friends that I had grown up with that I'd known my whole life and, and wondering if I was ever going to see them again. And look, looking back, you know, we know now that the Persian Gulf War, uh, although a war, very much a war, was compared to like the Iraq War and more recent conflicts was very, very mild. But at the time, on the way over there, and a lot of the guys I served with would, would back me up on this, we were being told all kinds of very scary things. Um, we were having briefings that were telling us that our mortality rate was going to be 75%, and people were getting issued their own body bags to carry with them, and people were saying that this was going to be the Vietnam of, uh, of desert warfare. We were being told that we were going to be going door-to-door in Kuwait 
doing room clearing, which anybody that knows anything about a close quarters combat knows oh, that that's very, very dangerous. Kicking in doors that have explosives behind them or people hidden in the room waiting to kill who comes through. So we were terrified. And, you know, I, now I'm 18 or 19 and, I'm, and I, I remember many times sitting there crying, um, uh, thinking to myself, my God, I, I'm not going to see my family again. I'm not going to see my friends again. And so none of that obviously happened. And none of the, I mean, some, some interesting things happened, but definitely not the horror stories that we thought were going to happen. But what it did was it made me sure as, uh, sure as heck grow up really quickly and start to value things that I hadn't valued. And I came back. My mom always says to this day that the, the kid that got on the ship and that left that day, she never saw that person again. I came back a completely different person. And uh, had a much different value value situation, I think, on life. There's a little bit of the military story for you. Man, what a what a story! And I think you know you seem to really value time and how you use it. Just seems that all came from that genesis, that moment on that ship. A great story. And as cliche as it sounds, I gotta say, you know, thank you so much for your service. Thank you for uh, what you're doing with veterans and parking. Thanks for what you do in this parking industry with with education and. The articles you write and the and the lives you've you've touched and influenced. So thanks very much for being on the show, Todd. I appreciate it, Isaiah, and, and uh, kudos to you again. Not to also be cliche, but I think it's very cool that you do this podcast. Um, I think you may be one of the only one, or maybe there's another person that's doing a podcast. But I think again, this is this is the modernization of our industry that needs to happen. And so kudos to you for starting this. And and you know, I will continue to support you guys in any way and support you in any way towards this. I look forward to hearing, you know, even, even more interesting guests that you have on in the future. So kudos to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Todd. Have a great week, man. Take care. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Parking Podcast. Please leave us a review and tell a friend about our show. It would mean a lot. This has been a production of Synchronicity Media, produced by me, Isaiah Mao. Our music and score is by Zona. Our show art and design is by the talented Allison Gilly. You can follow us on social media at The Parking Podcast, or you can find our website with bonus content at parkingcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, publishers of the industry's only soup-to-nuts textbook about all things parking. It's called A Guide to Parking, and several of our guests from previous episodes have contributed to this wonderful little textbook. Learn more and order your own copy at parking-mobility.org textbook.